Well, friends, you are listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio K-Pulpit with me, your host, Mark Penrith, for the next two hours. Normally joined by Tsepo Pitzel, my partner in crime at Crystal Park Baptist Church Extraordinary. Um, but this morning, I am joined by the other half of the team, uh, Etienne Dutoy, uh, a fellow elder at Crystal Park Baptist Church in Benoni. And we are going to be talking about all things church and looking forward to engaging with you on a whole range of topics. I do hope that you speak to us this morning. You can comment on Facebook even now. If you are streaming on Facebook, do drop a hi. Love to hear from you. Um, if you are listening on WhatsApp and you know the WhatsApp number, now would be a great time to say hi. I'd love to give a shout out to you live on air. Uh, myself and Etienne obviously take care of the souls of men and change light bulbs as and when necessary. And so we are delighted to talk about things of the church, which we both dearly love. Um, friends, uh, Table Talk is your opportunity to join in the conversation. And as you engage, as you ask questions, we can bring those in and we can talk about your biblical questions and answers. Let me give you a rundown of how you can engage with us this morning. You can comment on Facebook. Uh, the Facebook page is Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. You can send a voice note or even type out a three-pointed text. Teresa, looking forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp or Telegram. The telephone number is, write this down now, 082-657-2729. If you are a twit, you can tweet on Twitter, at 657AM is our handle. And lastly, love hearing from you. So if you are willing to phone into studio and engage with us, the telephone number is 012-334-1322. Let me switch across to Etienne and uh, and greet him and say hazard and uh, yeah, just uh, maybe ask you one or two questions, Etienne. It's good to have you with us this morning, brother. It is good to be with you. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) So, E.T., maybe just give us a brief rundown of who you are, husband of one wife, father of kids, Um, Yeah, uh, what you do, how you do it, where you do it, and what you're passionate about. Sure. It could keep you busy. But, um, (laughs) yeah, just maybe briefly, um, I'm married to Leanne. And oh, I wanted I wanted to take a shot now at how long we've been married, but I think I'm going to mess it up. But it's something I think somewhere in the vicinity of 16 or 17 years. And um, uh, yeah, we have three beautiful kids: uh, Jaden, uh, 12, and Corey, 10. And we have a new baby in the house, uh, Darren, which is only eight months old. Yeah, um, um, I've I've been in ministry for for I guess most of my adult life, and. Uh, Served in various church settings. Currently busy with a nonprofit project where we do youth development, and then in between all of that, uh, serving as an elder uh, alongside, um, yeah, yours truly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is good to have you with us. And as I said, after we chat um, to Daniela from Freedom of Religion South Africa, I'm looking forward to chatting to you about the ins and outs of church. And so now would be a good time to just introduce our guest this morning, our other guest this morning, a regular insert on Table Talk, uh, as we talk about the state of the nation uh, with an organization called Freedom of Religion South Africa. Freedom of Religion is a legal advocacy organization 
which works to protect and promote your constitutional rights to religious freedom in South Africa. And this morning, we are joined by Danielle, who has actually joined us a number of times before. It's good to see her online again this morning. She is an attorney of the High Court of South Africa. She serves as a parliamentary liaison. She's a graduate of Rhodes University and has specialized in litigation. Daniela, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's good to have you with us. Thank you so much, Mark, for that very, um, yeah, that was a very good introduction. Thank you very much. Well, look, I mean, this morning we are going to be talking less about kind of the craziness that's going on in the country, because there's always crazy things going on in the country, but maybe more about uh, the processes that we as citizens can engage on um, as we engage with the state in various different ways. And um, I I'm looking forward to this conversation because obviously engaging with you guys for about the last year and having friends and family who have started to fill out petitions and, and understand what's going on on various different acts. Um, I'm always interested to know how these things fit together, uh, the role that we as citizens can play. And so maybe just to kick it off, South Africa is a democracy. <laughs> and what does that mean for people like me, people like listeners of Radio Pulpit? What does that mean for us in terms of what we can do to protect our own rights? Uh, such as our right to religious freedom in our country? Mark, um, like you said, the good news is that South Africa is a constitutional democracy. Now, I mean, I know we're all going to the polls again on Monday to vote in the local government elections, but on top of being able to vote, what it means for us to live in a constitutional democracy is that every time government thinks about making a policy or a law, um, they must ask for our input. And we have an opportunity to make our voice heard every time there's a law policy that government is thinking about making, not just every few years in the elections. Okay, so, I, I mean, what does that look like in practice? I mean, where, where does a law, where does a policy, where does an act, something like Papuda or, you know, one of the other various different acts that we've been speaking about for the last year, where, where do these things actually start? So, Mark, most policies begin in government departments um, as drafts called green papers. Now, a green paper discusses a particular issue um, a department is considering and the policy position it um, intends to adopt. And then this green paper is published so that anyone who is interested can comment or make suggestions to the department on how you know this issue that they're thinking about adopting a policy towards should be addressed. Now, an example would be um, the Department of Home Affairs' green paper on marriages, which many South Africans commented on in 2020. Now, once the department has looked at all the comments made on a green paper, um, that green paper is then followed up by a white paper, which sets out um, the government's official policy position and generally precedes any proposed law that government wishes to make. So policies, they start off as a green paper, we get a chance to comment, and then they're followed by a white paper. Okay. Help me out here, just so that I understand. Uh, and I'm guessing if I've got the question, other listeners will have the question as well. 
What, what actually is the difference between a policy and a law? I, I, you know, I, I'm, you've made a, a distinction here. Um, how might you define those two things? And is the process the same for laws as it is for policies? So, Mark, the process is not the same, but um, in, in the sense that um, in our democracy, um, Parliament is the lawmaking body. So Parliament is the one that passes bills, which then uh, gets signed um, into law as acts um, by the president. And a policy can be passed by a government department. Um, and yeah, it's um, a, a policy isn't as wide affecting as a bill. And it's normally passed under powers that, um, you know, get granted to a department um, in terms of an already existing piece of legislation. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Thanks. I, I, I kind of wondered about that because, uh, you know, I, I guess you, we often talk about laws, like if you cross a line, you're in deep trouble because you've broken a law. And um, policies do sound like they're kind of internal documents, and you know, one wonders: uh, is that kind of like the the execution of what the law looks like in practice in a particular government department or something to that effect? That's a very good way of saying it. Yes. Okay, so if I understand the process correctly, when it comes to laws, we get the public gets an opportunity; they get some some time; they get um, uh, opportunities and chances to make their voices heard to government before something gets signed? Uh, are laws always signed by the president or uh, do they always end up on his desk and do you get to kind of appeal, you know, if you think there needs to be a change at all the various different levels as it goes through the process? So, Mark, um, perhaps let's start at the beginning. Uh, most laws, also beginning government departments, as draft legislation um, called bills which we mentioned just now. Um, and the department will then open up the very first draft of the bill for public comment. Um, and an example would be the Pewter Amendment Bill, which we mentioned earlier, which um, the Department of Justice recently opened up for public comment and many of your viewers and listeners um, may have sent in a submission on. Now, what happens after this is that the department will consider all the input it received. It will rework the bill and then it will hand over the bill to South Africa's lawmaking body, Parliament. And Parliament re represents us, the people of South Africa. There are elected representatives. And no law can be passed without the public having their say as part of the lawmaking process. So we've now commented um, on the bill in front of the department. And now that it's in Parliament, both houses of Parliament, um, namely the National Assembly, which is the one we always see on TV, and the National Council of Provinces will call for public um, comments on a bill before they pass it. So only once a bill has been passed by both houses. So the department has drafted the bill. We as the public have commented to the department um, on the draft bill. The department has then handed it over to Parliament. The National Assembly, the first house of Parliament, has asked for comments and reworked the bill until um, they're happy with it, and then they handed it over to the second house, the National Council of Provinces, and the National Council of Provinces has asked for public comment and reworked it until they're happy with the bill, and then the bill's passed by both houses and goes to the president's desk, because yes, he needs to sign the laws um, into action. 
uh, only then does a law become um, an actual law and become uh, implementable. Hmm. I, I remember the first time that I wrote to government um, in response to a law, and again, I think 4SA had highlighted it that, that there was a that there was a problem uh, potentially. Um, it was related to the Equality Act, um, and there was just some concerns for conservative churches uh, such as ours, where leadership is male within the context of the local church, um, in terms of elders and pastors, um, and and the concern was there was no provision within the. Equity Act, and I mean, this was quite a few years ago. Um, and, and I remember, based on 4SA's kind of call to action, I wrote in, and um, you know, the next moment, um, I was Googling Crystal Park Baptist Church or Mark Penrith or something, and up on Google, it popped up that that uh, my, my, my letter they had kind of scanned it in, and it was there <laughs> on on a, on a public platform. It was kind of quite exciting to to know that the government actually took. The little voice of Mark Penrith at you know teeny tiny Crystal Park Baptist Church on the east side of Benoni seriously, but it is daunting to write a submission to government. I mean, I painstakingly worked through that letter over a fairly long time. Um, what, what does one need to say when they're responding to a piece of legislation? Um, and 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 I have subsequently found that FOSA often makes the process quite easy. So maybe you can kind of flesh that out for us as well. So, Mark, it's definitely daunting um, writing to government. And I just want to say to you, listeners and viewers, that um, all you need to say is, what about the bill worries you? Um, it is not enough to, you know, simply say that you don't like or want the bill. Um, you actually need to give a reason. Um, and even better yet is if you come up with an alternative suggestion. Now, 4SA often drafts um, template submissions to help the public in this regard. And these template submissions highlight the biggest religious freedoms concern, religious freedom concerns in a, um, in a bill. So for example, for the one we did for the um, Pewter Amendment Bill, we simply focused on what the very big religious freedom concerns in the bill were and um, asked for alternative um, solutions. And the public can then download these template submissions from our website, social media, and so forth. They can share it over WhatsApp, they can change it, as they want, um, you know, it's not the be all and end all. They can edit it however they want, and yeah, you know, they can use it as a as a draft for their own submission. I, I guess, in many ways, my experience of petitions has worked exactly the same. Uh, there was a petition many years ago, and uh, I heard about it again via the FOSA website or something like that. Went through the process of of figuring out where I could go and sign. And uh, a few days later, actually, um, one of the local churches in our suburb, uh, on the outskirts of our suburb, uh, friends of mine, uh, Trevor Jackson and his wife Renee, um, they went church to church, walking around with uh, with kind of like a hard copy uh, petition, um, and at, in order to kind of like just generate uh, in, in, and encourage churches to get involved with uh, with signing these uh, these bills. It was the first time I met them, and subsequently have become quite good friends with them. Uh, really nice people. But since then, so many years ago, I have found that the process of signing petitions has gotten easier and easier as you guys have begun partnering with other organizations and, and whatnot. Maybe you just want to take the listeners through the process 
uh, of signing a petition and, and just how, how easy it really is now for people to engage with the state uh, in that way? Um, so, Mark, I think perhaps we need to just highlight a difference between um, a petition and actually submitting a comment to government on a bill or a policy. Um, now, in South Africa, the way we make our voice heard um, on laws and policies is by submitting a formal comment, which is known as a submission. And while signing a petition can have persuasive value and you can get some media coverage out of it when you go to parliament and hand over a petition with 10,000 or 100,000 signatures, that only has persuasive value to government, um, you know, from a, oh, we might, you know, lose these voters perspective. But when you actually submit a formal comment on a proposed policy or a bill that government has asked for your comment on, they must consider and apply their mind to every single submission received. So for this reason, if you want to actually make a difference, you need to make a submission and not simply go and sign a petition. So now, although no specific number of submissions will stop a bill, um, I know there were comments going around, I think it was with the Pewter Amendment Bill or the Hate Speech Bill, I'm not sure. Let's say, you know, if you get 100,000 submissions um, or 100,000 comments, um, we're going to stop this ball in its tracks. And that's not strictly speaking true because it's, it's not about the numbers um, so much. Um, the more submissions there are on a particular issue, the more pressure it does place on government not to pass a law that people are unhappy with. So, for example, um, you know, while it's... Um, Incorrect to say, okay, if we get a you know a hundred thousand signatures against you know the hate speech bill that will stop the bill in its tracks, there is merited in that if government gets a hundred thousand comments um, against the bill, and it's an election year, they might think twice about it. Um, so numbers do matter, but they're not they're not the be all and end all to stop an issue. Sure, fascinating. You know, Daniela, I, I've really appreciated both you and we obviously we chat quite frequently to Michael Swain, also from Freedom of Religion South Africa, but I, I really appreciate the work that you do because you kind of demystify an area of public life and citizenship that most citizens really struggle to wrap their heads around. You know, kind of like if you know your ward councillor, you're a pretty good citizen in South Africa, let alone, and kind of like the name of the president. You know, if your 10-year-old if your child knows the name of the president, you, you're pretty happy. You don't kind of expect it to be able to uh, know the name of maybe the finance minister or the minister of public affairs, who I can't wait if he turns the lights on this weekend. Um, but um, be, be that as it may, you guys do a great job of demystifying an otherwise complex area of public life. And I, I'm really grateful to the work that you do. Uh, I have no doubt that there's a couple of um, listeners, even this morning, that are intrigued by what you guys do and maybe want to know a little bit more, find out you know, some other details, or maybe actually see the kinds of things that are on the table right now. Uh, in terms of the major issues that are going down that are related to religious freedom in South Africa. How could a listener find out more details? Want to give us a pitch for website and other contact details? Wonderful. Thank you, Mark. Um, 
So for those listeners and viewers who are interested in knowing more about um, religious freedom issues and which ones we're currently facing in South Africa, um, we can refer them to our website, um, which is www.forsa.org.za. And at our website, they can also sign up for the Forsa newsletter and alerts, um, which means we will email them when an important policy or bill is open for comment. Um, and the alert will normally contain the template submission as well. So that just makes it very easy for them to get involved in public matters. Um, and then, of course, they can also follow us on social media um, on Facebook at Freedom of Religion SA. I do want to say that, um, Mark, as I previously mentioned um, to you, we are and will be doing, you know, a video series <laughs> demystifying public participation. Because um, it is, it's something that we're not taught at school. My personal opinion is that this is the type of thing that you should learn in life orientation in school. Hundred <laughs> percent. Because it's 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 not well known, but it's not difficult. It's not a very complex process. Excellent. I think that would make a great webinar, and I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm old enough that I remember South Africa used to have three capitals, like a judicial capital in Bloemfontein and a parliamentary capital in Cape Town, and then the capital city in Pretoria. Next time we speak, maybe you can tell us if anything has changed and have I just dated myself incredibly um, by, by dropping that. Daniela, was good to chat to you. Thank you so much. I hope that you enjoy what sunny Cape Town this morning um, and for the rest of the weekend. God bless. Cloudy Cape Town. Thank you, Mark. Have a good day. <laughs> cool. Cheers. Well, Radio Pulpit listeners, it is good to be with you this morning. It is good to be chatting to you. I hope you found that interesting. I certainly find it interesting. Um, just going through how we as the public can make a difference in the democracy that we love, South Africa, our country. And I have found that as we have promoted people getting involved in various different things, even through this platform, we've literally seen um, the ability of the citizenry in South Africa to, you know, help our parliamentarians make good decisions when it comes to uh, the legalese, which they, they need to do because that's their jobs. Um, and so I, I do encourage you to listen to that insert and respond to it and, uh, yeah, take, take your citizenship um, seriously. Uh, we do need a mobilized citizenry in South Africa, um, and especially amongst Christians, because we make up such a large percentage of the population. Um, yeah, so next time we wave the banner and say, hey, guys, we need to get involved in something. I'm looking forward to seeing how we participate, maybe even a conversation live on air with you and with a number of people. Folk, Radio Pulpit listeners from all over South Africa and even from further afield, I know even this morning we must have long-time listener Roland Eskenazi listening in from Belgium, I think it is, and others from all over the place because let's face it, we have scattered South Africans far and wide. How might you be listening to Radio Pulpit right now, you might ask? Although I guess if you're listening to Radio Pulpit right now, you're already listening on at least one of these channels. Uh, 657 AM Radio Pulpit, 729 AM Radio Cape Pulpit. 
You might be streaming live so that you can see my ugly mug on Facebook. Radio Pulpit Radio Console is the Facebook channel. And I have shared it to the Crystal Park Baptist Church Benoni Facebook page as well as to Pastor Mark Penrith, um, my Facebook page. And so we'd encourage you to go and check out those Facebook pages as well. And um, we are also currently going out live on DSTV channel 882, Open View channel 607. And you might even be streaming from our website, especially if you're on our international list on radiopulpit.co.za. Folk, we want to talk to you. In actual fact, <laughs> your comments and your engagements and interactions are what make Friday the most fun for me. I, I enjoy Fridays, Etienne. I, I mean, like, this is like a, this is like a privilege to be able to talk both to, both to guys that I know, but also, I guess, to a listening audience, like all over South Africa. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to a couple of people who have popped their names uh, into the comments threads already. Um, but you can comment on Facebook. The Radio Pulpit Radio Console is currently streaming to Facebook. I'll see that. I'll bring those comments into our discussion. If you are on WhatsApp or Telegram, the telephone number to engage with us on is 0826572729. And I love voice notes. I, I mean, I really love listening to your voice notes. Maybe just a shout out to the home base, uh, Mothership, where Mpo is making sure that the lights stay on this morning, uh, our sound tech at the Radio Pulpit Studio. If you are a twit, you can tweet with us on at 657am. And then lastly, folk, I'd love you to make use of this. Uh, you can dial directly into studio and chat to us. The telephone number is 012-334-1322. That is how we can speak to you. Let's uh, talk. Uh, let's just see some of the folk that are speaking. Uh, Gay from uh, the Windy City of Port Elizabeth says, Good morning. It is good to have you with us, Mom. Uh, thanks for joining us. A uh, couple of folk um, uh, also give a shout out and say good morning. We have uh, Bree. We have Save Water, Save a Life, which isn't a real name, but that's what comes up on WhatsApp. Um, uh, by the way, I mean, just in terms of Port Elizabeth, Klebecha, oh man, I'm trying, guys, I'm trying. Um, yeah, desperate, desperate doubt, doubt. <laughs> desperate doubt in the Eastern Cape. Man, those people need Jesus. Um, desperate drought down in the Eastern Cape. And so, yeah, bear thought for folk. Uh, down in the southeastern corner of our beautiful country. Um, and uh, they say hi and a couple of requests for prayer as well. Uh, here's a question, and you know what? It's a great question. It's a great place to start. It, it comes in from Stephen, and it is related to church and to church life. I'm going to pitch it to Etienne. Etienne, you haven't even had a chance to see it. Um, but uh, but uh, you and I can start to discuss discuss the topic. Um, Stephen says, good morning, Mark and uh, Seppo. Stephen, this morning I actually have uh, my fellow elder Etienne together with me on radio. Um, so it's uh, myself and Etienne. Um, and he asks us, could you tell us the importance of Sunday and Sunday worship? I'm actually thinking he means Saturday and Sunday worship. Um, I'm reading a book called, and this is why I think Saturday and Sunday worship, I'm reading a book called Call the Sabbath a Delight. Um, sport on Sunday, work, and anything else that would take us away from the church. Can you just talk a little bit about the importance of Sunday worship and go? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Well, that can be a big topic. 
Um, but, but maybe I'll, I'll just start with um, uh, kind of the, the, the New Testament principles. Uh, I guess we could, I'm, I'm not sure where you're going with this, with the Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine, I'll pick that <laughs> we, right we'll, up. <laughs> okay, but, but uh, it was from the inception of the church in, in Acts, um, it was, it was the, the, the understanding of, of the Christians, the, the, the birthing of the church, those very first Christians to, to gather uh, on the first day of the week. Um, and, and they get gathered together to, uh, for, to observe um, the teaching of the apostles. Uh, they broke bread together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They went from house to house. And and so so that was really uh, instituted right from the from the inception, the beginning, the birthing of the of the church, that they saw it of the utmost importance to, to gather um, regularly uh, in, in in that context once a week. Um, the, the 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 church just from church tradition picked it up as having church on the Sunday from uh, because they they saw the resurrection of the Lord as paramount to uh, to uh, to this new life that was given and and that became the the, the church tradition together on on, on, on the Sunday uh, which uh, which relates to to the, the the new life and the and the and the birthing of of, of uh, of the church uh, that was related to uh, to to this what we would call the Sunday, which actually was not the uh, the Jewish Sunday, but um, uh, but yeah, that that in a, in a in a yeah, just in a nutshell. There's other places, obviously, that we can go as to should we observe it as the sabbatical Jewish day, where we shouldn't work um, um, and we shouldn't have sports on a Sunday, or shouldn't go shopping. I definitely grew up, and I think, well, well, we're almost the same age, Mark. But yeah, we, uh, growing up, no shops were open on a Sunday, uh, no sports broadcasted, uh, nothing, nothing happened on a Sunday. The TV programs on TV was the most boring programs, and there was nothing to do. Um, uh, so that was definitely part of our tradition growing up. But yeah, maybe we. I'm not sure if you want to touch on that now, but maybe you can. Um, pick up on where you were going with the, the Saturday uh, worship. Well, you know, E.T., when I think of, <laughs> when I think of Christianity, I, I think of worship. I mean, the bottom line is you can't divorce being a believer from the worship of God. Um, you ask the question, what is a believer saved for? A believer is saved to glorify God, make much of him and enjoy him forever and ever and ever, abundantly in this life and then forever in the life to come. The bottom line is we are worshippers, whether we want to admit it or not. We are worshippers. We all worship something. <laughs> People worship this world. They worship the things of Satan. They worship money. They worship their work. They worship their family. And um, Everybody worships something. But believers, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, they are God-fearers. They're God-worshippers. So what does worship of God look like? Well, we see that in Scripture, right from the Old Testament, you know, in terms of the nation of Israel gathering at the temple for religious festivals as a congregation. We, we see that pattern of congregational worship um, really followed through into the New Testament, right from the beginning. I, I mean, when you 
in Acts chapter 2, for instance, on the day of Pentecost as the church is established, uh, the church was known firstly as those who were devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then it goes on to say that they were devoting themselves to meeting together in the temple, that they broke bread from house to house and they ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. I mean, the bottom line is Christians are devoted worshipers to Jesus Christ. And that devoted worship is corporate worship. It's not Christianity. Whilst there are aspects of Christianity uh, which is um, personal, Christianity is not a private religion. It is a religion, a relational engagement between people. Um, mm. The worship of Almighty God is to be corporate. And, and you know, I think of um, Hebrews chapter 10 by way of another example. In Hebrews chapter 10, we have a command in verse uh, 25, I think it is. Um, where it says from verse 24, let us watch out for one another to provoke one another uh, to love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, that word gather um, is a present participle in the English, you know, gathering, that we must continue to do it. Um, in the Greek, uh, what the New Testament was written to, even the book of Hebrews, um, in the Greek, the word is synagogue together. We must be synagoguing together. Um, and again, it's a call for corporate worship. It's a call to draw together and worship one another. And so, Stephen, just, you know, if I was going to be answering your question in one way or another, I would say that Sundays are immensely important. <laughs> I want to motivate that a little bit more. I mean, I really want to want to kind of push the nail in. Um, if you're a listener this morning and you haven't been attending church for a while, I'm hoping that there is a serious hole <laughs> right now, a desire to be with other saints of God, worshiping them, praising God together, singing God's praises together, hearing the reading of God's word, hearing the public proclamation of God's word uh, in the preaching, hearing the public preaching of God's word as God's people come together and pray together, say amen, truly, truly together as a congregation. I hope you're burning with a desire for that kind of congregational worship. Because really, that, that's the call for Christians, is to participate uh, in this body which Jesus Christ has bought, the church of God, with his own blood. It is, it is so incredibly important. And so uh, I just really want to encourage any listener this morning, if you are not going to church out of some kind of um, um misconception that church isn't important. Let me remind you that church most certainly is. I, I'm actually going to Acts chapter 20 for another reason. In Acts chapter 20 in verse 7, it says, on the first day of the week as we assemble to break bread. The big question is, they were breaking bread, and I'm going to take that to mean communion. It might be a reference to a love feast. Um, I, I, I take it to be communion, the breaking of bread, the sharing of the cup, um, the, the identification of God's people with the person of Jesus Christ corporately. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one of the one uh, bread. Uh, this idea of coming together on the first day of the week. Now, in terms of the Jewish concept of week, 
The first day of the week is Sunday. The last day of the week is the Sabbath. It's the day of rest. It's Saturday. And so it appears in Acts chapter 20, which is like really early on in terms of the development of the New Testament church, it turns out that in Acts chapter 20, people were gathering on a Sunday. Now, Sunday would have been a work day. They might very well have been gathering in the evening. We know that evening uh, meetings were happening from other passages in Scripture. Um, but they were gathering together um, to come together corporately, to break bread together, to, to worship uh, together. These other references to the first day of the week um, I just marked in my, in my Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, Paul is talking about the collection for the Jerusalem churches. He's encouraging the Gentile churches to, to make a collection for, for the church in Jerusalem, which is really going through tough times. I mean, we think of modern-day churches that are going through tough times and the need for us as the church to come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ in one way or the other. Well, this is what Paul says about that collection. Now about the collection for the saints do the same as I instructed the Galatian churches on the first day of the week. Each of you is to set aside something and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come. And then when I arrive, I'll send, uh, uh, I'll send with letters those you recommend to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it is suitable for me to go as well, uh, they will travel with me, and so uh, again, another reference to the first day of the week. Uh, the last one that I'm I'm going to read is in two Corinthians, uh, chapter nine, verse twelve. In two Corinthians, chapter nine, verse twelve, uh, again uh, a chapter w which is motivating giving. Again, it's talking about when collections get made, and uh, the truth is, collections again get made when people meet. And in verse twelve, we read for this ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing to many uh, expressions, the thankfulness uh, of God. That is not the right text that I had hoped to find. <laughs> Let's just base it then on Acts chapter 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 3. Uh, this reference of the first day of the week when collections were made, the first day of the week when bread was being broken. So number one, Worshiping God is incredibly important. That's what we're designed to do. Number two, worshiping God needs to be done corporately. That is what we are designed to do. We are relational beings, just like our God is relational, a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And then number three, the pattern of the early church, certainly in the book of Acts, and then again spoken about in the book of 1 Corinthians, I'm fairly certain I've just missed the text in 2 Corinthians. The pattern of the church was to meet on the first day of the week. Does that mean it would be wrong to meet on Saturday? No, I don't think it would be. In fact, uh, I don't think it's necessarily about the day that you meet, but the fact that you are meeting corporately and that you're worshiping Almighty God. Why does church traditionally meet on a Sunday? Well, because it's the Lord's Day. It's the, it's the day that Jesus Christ rose in victory over death and over sin and over the wicked one. Um, so it's most appropriate that we remember both the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, to, uh, and so Christians have traditionally done that on a Sunday, and that flows back to the earliest of times, even as early as the New Testament. Bud, anything to add just in terms of, uh, of worship and Sunday? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe just, uh, I guess, errors on, on, uh, on both sides. Um, I think drawing a, uh, 
you know, I think on the one side, people have make the error traditionally that that we that we emphasize the fact that uh, you know I, I've worshipped the Lord in my personal capacity, and that's true. I think what you're saying is uh, um, uh, all of life is is worship, and 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 even in in the in antiquity, they they didn't make the distinction between. Um, between having a, a, a religious life and a and a public life, that was that was all integrated, um, and and I think we've lost that to a certain extent. Uh, basically, you know, due to many traditions, but that we see, but these, we see our public life as something separate uh, than you know our religious life that happens on a on a Sunday. But in in in, in the antique, um, in, in antiquity, those were all integrated. Uh, but yet, even with that concept, uh, the early church uh, and in early Judaism as well, they, they saw it as imperative to 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 come together, to 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 fellowship together, to worship corporately, to worship um, as 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 a as a body. Um, so so in that sense, you can't really separate uh, your private worship from the worshiping together in. In, uh, in in with with fellow believers and the the command I think or the the pattern in in the New Testament is that it should happen uh, regularly, which we would then tied to uh, to the idea that it should happen once again. Uh, and just on your point, it, um, we I know of friends of mine in in Thailand, uh, and 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 in Thailand they work on a completely different uh, time schedule so they they don't have the strict uh, idea of of like we in more in a western mind that we work from monday to friday and then it's weekend saturday sunday they just never stop uh yeah. they, they keep working uh, throughout weekends and they, they don't really have that that concept and so um so these missionaries you know they wanted to gather on a, on a sunday but the people just didn't come to church on a, on, a, on a Sunday because they didn't have this concept of, of this is weekend and a day of rest. And so in the end, they ended up uh, having church, their regular gathering on a, on a Thursday yeah. uh, because that was just something that, that was more akin to, to the context. Yeah. So uh, the day is not necessarily the thing, but it comes from church tradition, yes, but the fact is it should happen regularly uh, um, once a week. So... I do want to add a, a nuance, a complexity to the conversation, um, partly because you raised it. I mean, you mentioned our age. What's with age today? <laughs> it's come up a bit. So partly because you mentioned our age, and both of us can cast our minds back to a time that nothing was open on a Sunday. No, in fact, it was illegal to trade on a Sunday. Petrol stations were closed, I, I, as I remember it. I, I don't even think you could fill your car with gas. Uh, on a Sunday, I'm that old. Um, but, but Stephen also points out, uh, he, he writes in and just clarifies his question. When I was growing up, I was taught Sunday was a special day. And in my running, I would never run on a Sunday, no races or training. Um, I still keep to that. And uh, Stephen, I actually want to commend you um, right at the start. So even though I'm going to say one or two things that, that might uh, be slightly different to, to what you're thinking, uh, I do want to commend you because I, I do believe that if your conscience is dictating that you should do no work and no sport, 
um, on a Sunday, then brother, you should do no work and no sport on a Sunday. It would be it would be sinful to go against your conscience. And we read about that. Paul talks about that uh, in the book of Romans. He's talking about it particularly relating to sacrifices. But I think the principle translates very well um, to things like what you can do on a specific day of the week. And so I, I want to commend you and I in no way want to discourage you um, to go against your conscience. But I do want to make a couple of points. Um, one is I, I do think, um, and, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to actually sound a little bit contradictory as I, as I, as I talk. Um, but that's okay. Cause I think that this is a little bit complex. I do think that as a culture, as South Africa and as a church, we have lost some of the reverence for God that we should be ascribing to God. Um, you know, the idea of Sabbath rest is cast all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. The opening verses of Genesis chapter 2 I have it in front of me are, so the heavens and the earth and everything in them were created. God created everything. It was all good. Um, there was nothing wrong. And in this context of perfection, in this context of just everything being right, in verse 2 we read that on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Now, God doesn't need a rest, right? <laughs> He's omnipotent, which means he is almighty. He is as strong as, as um, well, he's just the very definition, the wellspring of strength. Um, and yet God sets a pattern in Genesis chapter 2 of rest, of rest from work. And we, we also discover here, as we discovered in chapter 1 of Genesis, that there's nothing wrong with work, <laughs> that work is by God's design, that, that God in the rest of chapter 2 of Genesis puts Adam into a garden in order to work the ground. I mean, <laughs> God creates Adam and then sets him to work. Work is good. Sin hasn't happened at this stage of the story. Work is good and rest is good and rest is part of a pattern which God gives his people. Verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, uh, which means set apart or sacred. Um, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. Now we see this pattern of rest actually extending into the rest of the Pentateuch, uh, the, the books written by Moses, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, um, um, Leviticus numbers in Deuteronomy. Oh, Leviticus is always the tough one. <laughs> you know, when you're reading through the Bible for the first time, you, yeah. you, you, you wheel spin Genesis and Exodus. You're so mm. excited. And then you get to Leviticus and you're like, what? <laughs> um, so Moses writes, um, as he gets into Exodus, again, you see this pattern of rest extended, extending even into the book of Exodus as the nation of Israel, as they go out and they're heading towards the promised land, uh, are called upon to take rest, to take rest days and to take rest festivals um, in order to set themselves apart, sacred um, to the Lord. I think that in our culture, and hey, I might be speaking to your heart right now, but I think in our culture, in our time, in our land, uh, in our families, and you as an individual, may very well not be observing any rest because in actual fact, your love and devotion and respect and reverence for God has been deprecated to such a stage where it's hard to distinguish you from the culture around you. Um, if your idea of corporate worship starts at half past eight on a Sunday and finishes at quarter past ten so that you can dash home and have lunch and um, 
or head to the head to the shops or head to a sporting event, um, it may well be that you need to have a reverence check in your heart. That you need to that you need to give some thought to your love and your devotion and what proper love and devotion looks like towards an Almighty God who commands us to worship Him. Um, in ways which are acceptable, in ways which are both filled with spirit and with truth. Now, where I sound a little bit schizophrenic is this. Uh, I truly believe that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. And I believe that much of the laws that were given to the nation of Israel were given to Israel in terms of the Mosaic Code, those laws, the Ten Commandments and the laws around them, were given to Israel to set them apart from the nation around them. Now, if we had to take the Ten Commandments, for instance, the first nine commandments are repeated in the New Testament. They are commands that are given to believers in the New Testament. So I don't go out and kill your, I don't know, the guy that cuts in front of you in the car. Don't even be angry with him. Jesus would have you know, and because that would be to go against the commands of God, both in the Old Testament and repeated in the New. Same would be true of adultery, covetousness, uh, honoring your parents, uh, blasphemy against God, um, honoring God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and loving your neighbor even as you love yourself. And um, These things are consistent in both the Old and the New Testament, but one command isn't repeated in the New Testament. And because it isn't impeded, uh, rip, impeded, I'm making up words as I go along. Because it isn't repeated, I would caution believers of making a law where there isn't a law. Um, I'm thinking of Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, no, chapter 5 verse 1, where it says for freedom that you have been set free, and don't therefore return to the heavy yoke, not not hoke, (laughs) um, yoke of slavery, I don't believe that the Sabbath law has been repeated in the New Testament. And so as such, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be careful to say, friends, we need to revere God. We need to take rest. These are principles which I think are well founded in scripture and principles which need to be observed. But I'm gonna be careful to make a law where there is no law. And so, For some people, the only job which they can get is on a Sunday and they take rest days on other days of the week and make sure that they come together for corporate worship, maybe on a Wednesday evening uh, with other believers in Christ. For them, I'm going to be careful that I don't put a yoke on them that scripture, I don't believe scripture is placing on them. Um, I'm also going to be careful in my words as I'm counseling people who come to me and say, look, I've been offered this job. Um, it is on a Sunday. Should I take it or not? I'm going to be careful that I'm talking to them about how, where is their heart with the Lord? Are they reverencing God with their time and with their talents and with their testimony? Um, how are they going to meet together with the saints uh, for mutual encouragement so that they can encourage both believers and believers can encourage them? I'm going to take them very carefully through all of those questions. And I'm going to tell them quite honestly that it is probably God's best that they find a job where they don't have to work on a Sunday. But all things being equal, a man must work so that he can eat. I'm not going to place a law over them that prohibits them um, from taking a job on a Sunday. That, that's kind of how I would approach it. Uh, Etienne, any kind of nuances or anything yeah, to think, add there? I think just one reference that uh, that we might have to mention in this discussion is is the a uh, gospel accounts of of Jesus and his disciples. Uh, I have specifically here Mark chapter two, uh, where the Pharisees criticize the 
disciples for eating some of the grain and um, of the field. And, and Jesus responds in, his, in this strange phrase where he says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And I think that relates. And then he follows up by saying, therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, and I think that relates to the principle of rest that, that, you, that you mentioned. Uh, and, and so I think what, what Jesus himself is saying here is, is the idea that, that the Sabbath serves mankind. Uh, it, it serves uh, for the benefit and the blessing of mankind. It is a day of rest, and it was, it was instituted and created by God for, for the benefit of man. And it's not the other way around. It's not that God created the Sabbath, and then he created man to, to observe that, uh, that law. Um, it was for, given for, for the benefit of, of mankind. But then also the idea that, that Jesus himself is the Lord of the Sabbath. Not only did he create it, but he stands over and above it. And he also did become a Sabbath rest, um, which, yeah, which, which there is freedom and salvation in. Um, so maybe just, yeah, just to reiterate that principle is that, uh, that rest is necessary. I think that's the universal principle that we gain from that, that, that God created this, that man, we working, uh, Hard should have time to rest, and 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 then becomes something. I think there's a danger in tying, like you said, tying a making a direct parallel between the Judaistic Sabbath and you know a Sunday where we gather. But this falls together. This happens to fall together, you know, traditionally that we gather on a Sunday, and also it becomes a day where where we're off and we don't have to work and, and rest. But um, uh, but they really are two principles uh, that we put together. You know, listeners, I, I just want to say you guys clearly are enjoying this topic. Um, Stephen, what a brilliant question, and thank you for your clarifying comments. Really appreciate those as well. You did a great job of kind of stirring the pot a bit. Well done. Um, folk, I, I see comments here from... Lance, as well as Sari, as well as Glenn, as well as a shout out from Dorothy. It's good to have you with us. Um, I'm going to look forward to coming back to all of this um, after a break. Uh, we are going to be going to a song break as well as an advertising break. And when we come back, uh, myself and Etienne will continue to engage with you on a number of uh, your questions. I'm looking forward to listening to voice notes as well. Uh, right now, we will be going to a break. Looking forward to chatting to you afterwards. Well, guys, it is really good to be back with you uh, this morning. It is Friday. It is the second hour of Table Talk with Mark this morning. I'm joined by my fellow elder, Etienne de Toy. Etienne and I um, serve at Crystal Park Baptist Church. Uh, taking care of the souls of men and uh, yeah, w watching the Lord do a great work in our midst. I mean, we've been talking about worship. We've been talking about Sunday. Uh, maybe we can just chat even about this past Sunday. I was just so blessed um, as we worship the Lord together. Um, friends, this show is made possible by you <laughs> as you listen in and as you engage with us and as you ask questions and interact with us, um, query and comment. Um, really, the show is made interesting as we talk to you 
And please do drop us a comment on Facebook, uh, Radio Pulpit, Radio Console. If you're listening together with us, even just t- uh, give us a shout out so that we know that you're there. Um, you can send in a voice note on WhatsApp or Telegram. The telephone number is 082-657-2729. Should I repeat that? I kind of said that a bit quick. 082-657-2729. You can tweet on at 657AM. And you can phone into the studio on 012-334-1322. We are looking, both Etienne and I, forward to chatting to you. Um, we're going to pick up a couple of uh, questions uh, shortly. Janice, for instance, asks, what are the arguments against belief in a rapture? From Janice in Cartonville. And the arguments against the rapture will be given to you by Etienne de Toy. And then the arguments for the rapture will be given by Mark Penrith. Um, thanks, Janice. That's a great question. Really enjoy it. And uh, Etienne's got a big smile on his face next to us because uh, eschatology is a standing joke amongst us. Um, and uh, we can just engage just fairly high level around uh, future things. Uh, Glenn, a long time listener, if we had an applause, it would ring out right now, Mpo. Uh, Glenn uh, says that in the New Testament time, slaves were forced to work on the Sabbath or Lord's Day, sometimes seven days a week, and nowhere does Paul or any of the other apostles tell those slaves to defy their masters so that they could gather on the Lord's Day. Thank you for that, Glenn. I think that is, um, that's, a, that's a great point uh, and certainly true in terms of the context. We can read about Paul's conversation uh, to slaves in both the letters of Philemon as well as in Ephesians. Uh, as well as in other portions of scripture. And you are right, he in no way prohibits them from working uh, on the Lord's Day. You know, we've been talking about worship. We've been talking about the Lord's Day. Yeah, Etienne, I had goosebumps this past Sunday. I mean, really, goosebumps. <laughs> so so for a start, um, as a church, we, we've kind of like way outgrown our building. So, so we have to be in two services. Um, and not only do we have to be in two services, but the truth is we've even outgrown two services. We have to be in multiple places <laughs> um, uh, on our campus uh, on a Sunday. So we're in four different places. Now, I got to church pretty early this past Sunday, uh, you know, pretty early. I could have secured myself um, a pretty seat inside the main sanctuary, the main mm, hall, the fancy. area where, you know, kind of like the heat was. Um, the expensive but, <laughs> the, the, yeah. but, but my wife said, you know, Mark, um, actually for the sake of others that are attending, um, as well as it was a beautiful day and, you know, kind of like a soft breeze outside, well, why don't we as a family sit outside um, and, uh, and we'll worship outside? And so we did. We, we, we sat outside. We have a big screen TV that's set up. Um, who was leading worship on Sunday? Oh, yes, that's right. It was you. <laughs> so Etienne was leading worship on Sunday. I, I want to talk about just some of the songs that you chose and why you chose those songs and the, the weightiness of music and why music is so important and how we go about selecting songs at church and, and maybe even talking about kind of like the elements of, of Sunday worship, what, what we do in a church service and why what we do is so important. Like we do do certain things and we don't do other things, you know, we don't mm. run around with kind of like flags and wave banners of different colors uh, as, a, as expressions of worship. And maybe we can talk a little bit about why not. Um, but where I'm going with this is that on Sunday, as the team was leading worship, 
outside, we couldn't hear the marked voices. We couldn't hear the amplified instruments. You know what we heard outside? We heard the song of the saints worshiping God in the building. In fact, it was so loud. Um, I mean, I was like weeping outside, you know, like hands in the air, praising God, just enjoying sweet worship. And, uh, and just realize that there's no ways that we couldn't be heard down the street. I mean, the bottom line is the, the, the singing was so loud and joyful and, 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 and full um, that anybody walking past us, anybody within a maybe 200 meter um, area mm. around the church would have heard the sound, the sweet melody of Christians singing. Etienne, you know, I, I believe that we worship God with our heads. I believe that we worship God with our lives. And I believe that we worship God with our hearts. And I, I certainly saw that reflected during Sunday worship um, uh, this past week. Mm. Uh, maybe just talk to us a little bit about what goes mm. into preparing, because you were leading worship, what goes into preparing um, worship, corporate worship of God's people on a Sunday? Mm. What are some of the things that you are thinking through uh, yeah. on any given week? Uh, yeah, so I mean, I mean, even in our selection of songs, uh, we have a, we have a philosophy, you know, behind many other things that we do. So, so one of those principles uh, that we place a high value on is is corporate singing. In other words, the participation of of the gathered church. So, so that's a principle that that we adhere to. That we we don't want. Uh, even even though we want to be excellent in 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 how we lead worship and the instrumentation and the vocals and the the um, you know the uh, the technology, we never want it to detract from the fact that it is God's people gathering and that they should sing and lift their voices. Uh, that it, in other words, shouldn't be a a show. You know where we have prefer, uh, you know highly skilled. People and and the church is just watching how we how we sing. So we place a high emphasis on that. So part of our preparation then it becomes is how do we how do we choose songs that are that are easy to sing but yet have depth of lyrical content and theology that that really stirs people's hearts but engages their minds as well. It is like you say, Mark. It's it's a um, singing is is an extremely powerful uh, mode of, of worshiping God because it appeals both to to um, to our minds the words that we sing and the lyrics that's contained in the songs but it also appeals to to our emotions and, and our spirit in, in in how it's weaved together through through in a melodious way um, and so so we, we 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 sing songs that that have theological depth lyrical content of, of biblical meaning which which appeals to our minds but it uh, also songs that are easily um, easy to sing that, that stirs our hearts that that's uh, rich melodiously you know that, that appeals to our emotions as well so even in my preparation um, you know I, I look for those songs that that um, uh, you know that, that has those attributes uh, in my preparation also, you know, we, we typically, and it doesn't always have to be that way, but, you know, on, on a Sunday, we more or less have, have four songs that we sing sequentially. Um, and, and what I always try to do is, 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 is have a theme in it. Uh, and so even this past Sunday, you know, we started singing about, uh, about who God is. Uh, 
we sang, I think, one or two songs about, about the glory and the worship of God. But then, then it leads into, uh, and I think I tied it in with, with John uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 17, 18, where, where it says that Jesus became the expression of, of who God is. And so we started singing songs about the cross and, and, uh, and, and his resurrection and his life and, and, and his life in the church, you know, so, so that formed this beautiful pattern of worshiping God, but leading into the person of Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. And, 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 uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, that was, it was glorious, but it, I think w- what you said is, is, is true. We had, I think it hopefully was heard down the street, but it wasn't because the speakers were so yeah. loud and booming. No. Uh, it was really the people singing jubilantly. Oh, it was absolutely the people. Yeah. I, I, a couple of things as you've been talking, maybe just to, maybe just to highlight and bring out. Uh, I mean, that theme of Jesus Christ was so apparent, and you spoke about uh, death and resurrection and Jesus Christ being the mm. captain uh, of our faith. Um, there, there was one song, just a, a line sticks in my head, this idea of Jesus rising from the grave and mm. the angels roar. I mean, actually, yeah. I'm kind of emotionally yeah. overcome, even just mm. thinking of it, just the angels of heaven roaring in mm. praise uh, and exaltation of Jesus Christ, mm. our Lord and our Savior. Yeah. Just, I mean, just absolutely wonderful, um, wonderful. Mm. Maybe we can talk about, you know, some of the other aspects of congregational worship because worship isn't just singing. In actual fact, I think often on a Sunday uh, when the person gets up to read the scripture, he says, this is an extension of our worship. We often read Mm. quite a long portion of scripture. We've been reading a book, (laughs) um, uh, you know, over the the course of the last maybe six weeks, we've been reading the book of Jude each week, uh, which is like a a substantial part of of the service. And yet the person reading the book will always say, look, this is an extension of our worship. Now, you know, pay attention and rise, stand in honor of the reading of God's word, which is, I guess, a throwback to the Old Testament. We see the nation of Israel standing mm. as an act of worship while God's word is being read. I'm thinking mm. of the revivals in Nehemiah, you know, mm. in Ezra. Um, but there's other aspects of our service as well, other, other parts of the service. Maybe, maybe just, you know... You know, I, I, I've got the <laughs> I, I've got the picture of somebody listening in right now, who maybe hasn't been to church for like a year and a half. You know, they 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 for whatever reason. I mean, actually, I can actually give you a reason. I mean, the bottom line is we had a we had a worldwide pandemic. You know, for whatever reason, stopped going to church for a period of time. Um, but as they're listening to this, they're actually emotionally pulled. <laughs> the reality is, their heart is. A fire mm. with um w- w- with the holy spirit prompting them to return to church even this week what are some of the things that a bible believing god fearing jesus christ exalting holy spirit full church does on a sunday as as acts of worship what does worship mm. look like on any given yeah. sunday so i mean once again probably there's a um you know a a philosophy or a theology behind uh, why we do things, and and we we as a you know as a church we're very intentional on on uh, on, on having a biblical basis of a theology behind everything that we do. So so obviously the way we look at at our worship service, and and, and then that ties in with with uh, you know what we spoke about in the beginning, the church gathering on a particular day, the the believers, the the redeemed 
of the Lord. And, and so when we gather, we, 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 we look at whatever we, we are going to do as, as expressions or acts of worship. So we, 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 we include things like, like prayer. We, we pray together. I think that was also in Acts chapter 2. The, um, the early church gathered together for, for, for uh, praying together. They gathered together for the teaching of the apostles, which, which we um, look at and it equates with what is captured in Scripture. In other words, the teaching of the Bible. So, so therefore, prayer is an act or an expression of worship. It's us corporately communing uh, with God, uh, praying to Him, communicating with Him. Um, the preaching becomes an expression of worship. It's the proclamation of God's truth. It's it's uh, it, it, it's the, the 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 preacher standing up, opening the word of God, uh, God's revelation to us, and saying, "Thus says the Lord." And and so so it's it's us listening receiving what the Word of God says and, and responding to that in, in worship to Him. Um, we include things like, like giving, uh, that, that giving of, of, our, of our, 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 uh, you know, our position is, is part of, of worshiping God as well. Um, therefore, we include it in our, in our, in our worship service. The reading of, of scripture, uh, these are all elements, but, but we, we try to cohesively bring these together um, and just saying it's, it's not just we go over from the one thing to the next and this is, but these are all collectively all different aspects or expressions of worship so that the worship service has different elements, but they should all harmonize, work together to, to move people to to uh, f- help facilitate people in in worshiping God, uh, what what else did I miss? Well, yeah, um, let me uh, you you, <laughs> you, you cut to me so quickly that I was not ready. <laughs> no, I was just but, thinking, but, but you know, we... on Sunday I, I always think of it in terms of the word, right? So the centrality of God's mm. word in worship, and so I, I talk about assembling to read the word, preach the word, pray the word, sing the word. In the ordinances of both baptism and communion, we see the word. And then we give towards the promotion of the word. And so it's kind of comprehensively the, the corporate worship of God's people includes each one of those aspects. So we take, I mean, look, we, we take a lot of, we pay a lot of attention to each one of those. They, they mm. don't happen haphazardly. The elders take responsibility for how worship happens within the context of the local church. Um, so we have a team of readers, but the elders have given them um, guidelines of how God's word is to be read with reverence and with honor, uh, that mm. God might be glorified and that it might be a participatory act. You know, and so, yeah. you know, one of the examples would be asking people to rise during the reading of God's word. I, I, you know, once we finished, um, once we finished our sermon, uh, we have another reading of God's word. We ask people to stand, um, one last time, uh, as we honor the word of God. Mm. Uh, we open our service with a call to worship. You know, yes, uh, yeah. you spoke of one John, uh, I think was your call to worship this week. Oh, maybe I got it wrong. But, 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 but a, a call to worship which is read out of Scripture. And so the reading of God's Word becomes a central part and component of what we do on a Sunday. 
and then the preaching of God's word is from God's word. Mm. <laughs> you know, our preaching isn't, you know, a little dithy or a homily or, yeah. uh, you know, kind of like a, a pat in the back or a philosophy of our day or a psychology of our day, seven mm. steps to happy living. You know, we, we're not just preaching rubbish that you can pick up at a bookstore <laughs> anywhere in the country. No, we, we're reading God's word and then we are explaining the meaning of God's word and we are applying that meaning of God's word into the lives of God's people that we serve. Um, and so that type of preaching would be called expository preaching. That's what's going to happen on any given Sunday. Then, then even praying the word. Uh, you know, we have a team of people who are designated as prayers, and they put a lot of preparation into into their corporate prayers. Um, they're using Matthew right now. They're using Matthew Henry's um, praying God's word as a uh, as a kind of a base. They kind of pick three of Matthew Henry's prayers, um, and all those prayers really are the prayers of Scripture. And so they're reading through a number of, of uh, verses related to specific prayers, maybe prayers for the country or prayers for those who exercise duty in the country or prayers for, um, you know, those who serve in the church, prayers for members of the church. They'll read a whole lot of passages in their, in their devotion during the week. And then when they come on a Sunday, they then pray those prayers in a corporate way um, that they lead God's people in praying the word mm. and in singing the word. You know, the, yeah. the songs at Crystal Park, we, we sing from a database of songs that the elders have approved. We've read the lyrics. We've listened to the songs. Uh, we believe that they are good for both public worship. In other words, they are songs that people can actually sing. Uh, and we, are, we believe that they are good for, for public theology. You know, the kinds of songs that are going to add theological I was going to use the word profundity, but that's like just such a silly word. No one will know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, spiritual value um, yeah. to people's lives. And then the ordinances. Man, I wish we were baptizing more people more often. Um, but baptisms included as part of the worship so that people can see the public profession of faith. Um, and then communion added into, into uh, bi-weekly uh, for us so that people can see um, believers professing the death the resurrection of their Lord Jesus Christ mm. as they remember that he will come again, eschatology, to judge the living and the dead mm. soon. Uh, and then the giving of, of, of uh, the giving toward the promotion of God's word. Um, you know, we don't place yes. a massive emphasis on that. We talk about it at the beginning of, mm. the, of the service and tell people how they can give. Um, but yes, giving as, as part of our public profession of faith, worshiping God with our time, with our talents, with our testimony, and with our treasure, that he might be mm. praised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, you, you want to add? I just want to add, add something. I guess uh, that all that ties that in together, you know, we often refer to a, you know, the worship service. Um, but I think, I think many times uh, we, we I, I think just maybe just because of our Christian culture, we associate worship with, with singing. You know, we listen yes. to praise and worship music and, sure. and uh uh, it becomes something that's only associated with uh, with singing or your know, music, but but worship really is uh, comes from the the idea uh, old English that ascribes worth, and in in in, a, in a, our Christian sense is we believe that that God has ultimate worth, and therefore anything of Worth or any worth that we can ascribe ultimately belongs to Him, and therefore, when we speak of the worship service, it means that that all these elements that we've just touched on 
all these facets of of the gathering of the church, all of it uh, should bring worth to Christ. And so the purpose is to 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 ascribe worth to Christ. And we use these different facets, these different expressions and elements to to ascribe worth to Him. Therefore, it ties in together. And by the end of it, the ultimate goal is to 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 glorify the name of Jesus, to lift Him up high, and to to say uh, that 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 all our affections and all worth belongs to him. Um, and so that's part of the purpose of, of a worship service, I think, that should be. Um, and therefore, we, we are uh, conscientious of what we do in the worship service and how we do it, because our ultimate goal is to, is to ascribe worth and to lift up high the name of Jesus Christ. Yo, ascribe worth and lift up high the name of Jesus. I mean, I've got a smile on my face as I think that Sunday's coming. <laughs> it is coming. Brother, I've got to tell you, I'm prepping you again. But now on Facebook, Ria says, thanks for the program. Will the Pro and Four Rapture be available on podcast? <laughs> we are talking about the Rapture before the end of the show, one way or the other. It's half past ten. But before we get there, I mean, I think that's pretty much how we're going to be ending the show off, like maybe yeah. the last couple of minutes. Um, but before we get there, I, I, I do want to talk a little bit more about about worship. Um, so. In my view, the high point of worship on a Sunday is actually the proclamation of God's word, the public proclamation of God's word, um, where God's word is proclaimed by a man who has faithfully studied the word, um, applied what he has studied um, to to mind and to thinking uh, and to spirit, and now comes to God's people who he knows and applies it into their lives in ways that they can understand so that God's people can be renewed in their minds, <laughs> stirred in their hearts, and transformed in their lives. I, I think that's the high point of worship. I, I think they all work together, uh, but really this this high point, this proclamation um, becomes kind of like the center uh, of what happens on a Sunday. I'm not preaching this Sunday, right, at Crystal Park Baptist Church. In actual fact, I'm not preaching for the next three weeks at Crystal. I don't know what I'm going to do with all my time. Um, I'm not going to be preaching for the next three weeks at Crystal Park Baptist Church. We're getting a hired gun in. <laughs> I'm only kidding. We're not getting. We, we don't. We don't know any hired guns. We, we're getting. You, you're going to be preaching at Crystal mm. Park for the next yeah. three weeks. Maybe take us through your approach to preaching and how you see that integrated and the importance and the priority of God's word um, in your ministry. Mm. And what are you going to, I mean, like I actually know because you and I have been chatting about this for the last couple of weeks, but but what are you going to be preaching for the next few weeks? What, what has the Lord laid on yeah. your heart? Um, and how can people prepare their own hearts and their minds for this coming Sunday? Mm. Um yeah, I think maybe maybe the starting point, in it, as you say, the, uh, the the preaching of God's word that we view as the the high point of of the worship service, and and I think that that relates back to how we view the nature of of the Bible. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think the Bible is the central document to to the Christian belief, but even amongst Christians, we have I think different. Emphasis and nuances of of what the Word of God really is. Um, I think in, in you know in some context it becomes a a a support for our faith, 
but really we really view it that um you know that it is the basis of of our faith it's it's god's special revelation uh to us it is him uh that inspired the writers of scripture through the empowerment of the holy spirit to 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 reveal himself in a very specific in a very special way therefore if we believe that that the bible is is god's direct revelation to mankind to us as believers that it contains the very words of god then then we should treat it with reverence with the utmost respect we should we should really uh devote ourselves to it and therefore that reason i think that is why it takes center stage in our worship service that it leads up to that because it is the opening of scripture where we say thus saith the lord it's not in our own capacity yeah. it's not in our own revelation or our own ideas but but through with fear and trembling and reverence we stand and we study god's word and we open it up and we say this is what god is saying so so that's that's why it takes center stage that's why it it is something that you know that we deal uh with with in in great care um and and with reverence uh, it's uh, it's a it's a big thing to do um so yeah just as as we as i think in our context as we prepare ourselves for for the preaching of god's word we put a whole lot of effort into that we we carefully study uh a, a passage of scripture um we carefully dev- devout ourselves to it to make sure we we thoroughly understand it we look at the context in which it, it has happened um we we don't make hasty conclusions we um we study the historical background of it we study the context in which the writer has said these things uh only then do we do we interpret it in in saying this is what it meant to the people of the time and and then finally is where we say this is what it means to us in our current context to benoni in uh 2021 or to whatever your context may be so so that's how we approach it but we spend a lot of time putting time and effort and prayer into into knowing what the, the text says and then and then praying that god would use this text to stir and to move people's hearts So that's just an I guess in a nutshell maybe how how we approach the preaching of God's word on a on a Sunday. Um this Sunday yeah for and for the next 3 weeks we will be at, at our church we will be in the in the book of Habakkuk. Um uh it's a it's a short little book um uh only 3 chapters but it is it is so so powerful and so unique it's unique amongst it's it's part of the minor prophets but it's unique amongst the minor prophets in that it's not a message that the prophet received and and went and that he uh received from God and then gave to the people it's it's really we have this uh this window into into the prophet dialoguing with god yeah it's yeah. really really a, a, an amazing little little book um and so so habakkuk asks god question god's res- god responds he counters god with a, with another question and then um god responds again and then the book ends uh with in chapter 3 with the section of of praise 
uh, which is really I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm getting excited just about uh, talking about it. It really is a uh, remarkable yeah book. Um, what's the, yeah? I'm sure yeah. I don't know if we should. Did you want to? Hey, brother, touch? this is this is we we've got the time. You can let's talk about Habakkuk a little. Bit. Maybe maybe just lay out the the structure of it. Yes. Uh, I mean, we don't have to go into the details, sure. but maybe maybe just um, uh, kind of the uh, the structure of of the book. So, in 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 verses one to verses four, it's it's, Hab- it's Habakkuk's first question. So yes. maybe maybe just on that, he's a, he's a really we don't know anything else about Habakkuk except except what we have in in his his book. Yeah. Uh, he's not mentioned any anywhere outside of uh, of of his book. He's not mentioned any other places in the Old Testament. Um, so so he's relatively unknown. But his message, or that which he communicates, it's so powerful. And maybe just from that standpoint, uh, first principle is it's the message uh, that always takes priority, and not the messenger. Wow! Yes, yes. <laughs> which is which is a an amazing principle, actually. Um, but in in verses one to four, it's it's Habakkuk really complaining to God, and he, and he's saying, "How long should I cry?" Um, he, he looks around him and he sees just the depravity of God's people. Uh, he's concerned about violence and and corruption. He's saying the law. Hang on, wait. When did he write this? When? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this sounds like it could have been written last week. <laughs> it, it does sound. It, it sounds like modern day South Africa, but it, yeah. it was written just just before uh, the Babylonian yeah. uh, exile. So, sure. so right at the end of it, um, uh, the existence of Judah actually. Um, before they were taken into captivity, um, so he's saying he's looking even at the at the at the law, and he says it's corrupt. And he says even when it is given, it is it is corrupt. There is no law. It looks like there's no law, and the times that the law is uh, is is exercised, it is corrupt. Corrupt men playing golf, smoking cigars, yeah. getting away with millions. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so it's so relative uh, relevant to. To our current context, so he's he's complaining he's complaining to God. He's he's calling out to God. The book actually starts out by saying the burden of Habakkuk. Uh, wow. Some translation yes. says the oracle. Yeah. But really, uh, uh, the the word that it carries was that 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 it is something heavy to carry. Uh, and and so oftentimes the the prophets of old had these this burden uh, god give, gives them a message and this was a burden or an, an a message that they had to carry but the the root word of of the hebrew is a weight to carry it's like wow. picking up stones and so i think i think the burden is actually a, a good translation here where it says that um that this was habakkuk looked around him was concerned felt really the burden in his soul and then Praise to God, calls out to God, and so he he calls out, and then verse five, God responds, <laughs> uh, and and God says, "Okay, look, look, look around you. I'm going to do something." And basically, the dialogue between Habakkuk and God goes something like this: uh, God, look at what's going on. 
It's it's terrible. How 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 long is this going to go on for? How long do I have to view this? Why aren't you doing something? And then God responds and says, "Okay, I'm going to do something, yeah. but you're not going to believe you me. You will not believe <laughs> yeah. what is about to happen. Exactly. It's going to be crazy." <laughs> and and then in verse 12, again when Habakkuk responds, he says, "You're right. I don't I can't believe it." <laughs> Why? Why them? Why do that? Yeah. So, so in, in verse five to eleven, God responds and he and he and he says, um, uh, "I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, and I'm going to use them as this instrument of correcting the sinfulness of my people." Uh, and and then God explains in His own words how how really wicked and how fierce and how violent these these Babylonians are, and their their repute goes out, you know, and to the nations among them. And then verse twelve, Habakkuk responds again, and saying, "I can't believe that you're going to use the the, the Babylonians. Uh, they're even more wicked than than we are. I mean, uh, we're looking at yeah. wickedness, but they're even more. How can you, you use worse wickedness to correct people that are more righteous?" Um, but he ends with saying, "I'm gonna I'm gonna keep silent. I'm gonna watch and see what you are doing." Yeah. And so that first chapter just speaks of the of God's amazing sovereignty uh, that we live in a snapshot of of eternity, really a just a, a slither of it. Uh, but but God sees perfectly. His his uh, his sovereign vision is is of all time and all eternity, yes. and that He is working amongst nations and nothing happens by chance. That He is He is moving and orchestrating. And and uh, Bad, are you going to have anything left for a sermon for Sunday? You <laughs> spilt the beans. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I mean, it's really, I just, it's really an amazing text. Uh, what an amazing privilege to to study God's word, and um, what an amazing privilege to devote yourself, time, and attention to God's word in order to kind of yeah mine from the deeps mm. and bring up those precious jewels yeah. and gold and deliver them to God's people uh, on Sundays. I mean, yeah, m- massive privilege. Yeah. And I, I, I've got a question because mm. uh, I'm just looking at the time. We've got yes. 20 minutes left. Teresa does have three questions. Other people <laughs> have asked questions. But, but I, I've got a question. So on any given Sunday, folk who are going to be attending church, I'm hoping they know what their pastor is going to be preaching. They've got some idea. They're in a book of the Bible. They know what's coming next. How should how should listeners be preparing their hearts and their minds for, for this coming Sunday? I mean, you yeah. know, I, I'm thinking of our own people. They now know that we're going to be preaching the book of Habakkuk. Mm-hmm. We're going to be sending out a, a WhatsApp to all of our members a little bit later to say, mm-hmm. hey, guys, it's uh, three chapters, 50-minute read. Please do read the book, mm-hmm. you know, before you come into church. Read it to your kids so that they have some semblance of understanding of what's going on. Um, but but how should people be preparing themselves for worship on a Sunday? And again, mm-hmm. this is all off the back of Stephen's yes. excellent question. Well done, bud. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, in terms of, you know, just talking about both worship, worship mm-hmm. on the Lord's Day uh, talking about what that worship looks like and now talking about what the preaching looks like. Mm. How should people be preparing themselves for Sunday? A- and maybe not just people that go to church every week, but have some thought for a, for a person who even today is under deep conviction that they should go to church this coming Sunday. Mm. How should they prepare their hearts and their minds to receive God's word? Yeah. Uh, well, I think part of, part of, you know, we said that gathering 
together with with God's people uh, has the purpose of of um, worshiping Him, ascribing worth to Him. But it also has the the, the secondary purpose of of changing us and and conforming us, uh, so that we can um, so that we can you know be effective. Uh, communicators of the gospel uh, in in word and in mouth and in actions in in the world. So so that's why we want together also is we want people to be changed. We want people to be conformed to God's image. We want them to look more like Christ. And and so therefore, it's not only uh, the preacher or the worship leader's job to to. To do that, we, as we come to a worship service, we should come expectantly to to be changed, and therefore, um, as you know, we, we do things like we send we can you know send out the text. This is what we're going to be preaching on, and and one obviously one good thing is to to go and read that um, and prepare yourself. You know, at, at, at in some level, gain an understanding of, of what the text is going say going to say. Obviously, the, the 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 preacher on Sunday is going maybe on a deeper level, open it up for us. But but it is good to 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 get a handle on on what is going to be said. Uh, but but more than that, I think the purpose is, and I, I always lay an emphasis on that, is that we don't we don't want people only people's heads to be full preaching isn't it's informational it's the it's looking at at the intricacies of the text but we don't only want people to walk away and think well, that was really an interesting sermon oh well i did not know that we want we want the information or that which we open up we want people's hearts to be moved and stirred so so in that sense we want people to come prepared in a prayerful and in, in, in a, a spirit of prayerful expectations, mm. expectation mm. to 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 pray ahead of the the worship service to say, Lord, what is it that you want to to say to us um, this coming Sunday? What is it that you want to do within our hearts this coming Sunday? What is it that you want to correct yes. in my actions? You know, yes. and so prayer, studying, uh, um, pray, praying. And in preparation of the worship service, looking at the text in preparation of the of the worship service, so that so that we can walk out changed. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I have no doubt that some folk are are keen to go to church this Sunday. And so, can I encourage you? Um, read some God, read from God's word um, to your family even tonight or tomorrow night, just in preparation uh, for Sunday service. If you don't know what the preacher is going to be preaching, um, maybe pick a passage like Acts chapter 20. Uh, You can read through Acts chapter 20. It's a beautiful passage where the elders of Ephesus are called and Paul lays out what his ministry looks like and he talks about the church of God which Jesus bought with his own blood, gives him a couple of warnings. There's a lot of emotion. They're crying on the beachfront. It starts Mm. off by saying that they were breaking bread on the first day of the week. That might be a great opportunity just to... Um, just to speak to your own heart. Uh, it certainly is a, mm. a, a great passage of Scripture. There's actually there's too many questions for us to <laughs> deal with them all. Teresa, thank you so much for your questions. I, I, really, um, I really, really do appreciate um, uh, your, your questions. They are related to worship. They were well asked, um, such as uh, what 
should the worship leader have coming to the singing uh, spiritual songs and psalms to one another on a Sunday? Uh, and let me just say, when it comes to worship leaders, this is really important. Character next to competency. <laughs> um, you, you can be the most gifted worshipy worshiper on the face of the planet. You can play the banjo with your toes and, mm. uh, and the drums with your little finger um, and yet not be able to lead God's people effectively if there is a character flaw. Watch your life and doctrine closely. And even for worship leaders, you, you want to see men whose character matches their competencies leading God's people on a Sunday. What causes one Sunday to seem great and another Sunday to be different? Hey, that's a great question, Teresa. I don't know if we're going to if I'm even going to do justice by answering it. But but let me say uh, that sometimes uh, emotionally uh, we don't connect on a Sunday and yet God uses that Sunday to do an amazing thing in our lives because the teaching of the word strikes into the core of our heart and, and results in life change. And so I, I think good worship isn't measured by, by just our feelings, although even as Etienne pointed out, our feelings is part of what makes worship wonderful. But good worship is really measured by did we glorify God and did we enjoy him together? Uh, and then he also asks, how should saints respond when they don't hear the latest, most popular songs being sung at their church from maybe Hillsong or Bethel? Um, and so Teresa asked the question, maybe just to give an answer, I think each church needs to pay very careful care to the kinds of songs and the kinds of churches which they are promoting to their people that God might be praised um, rather than brought into disrepute in terms of what is sung on any given Sunday. Uh, that would be my answer there. Um, so we have even more questions about um, eschatology and we have hardly any time left. So, no. so maybe just shooting from the hip, uh, what is your view of the end time, as you see these things working out to whatever level of depth you want to give it. Sure. I, I, I think eschatology or um, study of the end times or the last things have been, uh, has been a, a topic that, that I for a long time have just placed on this shelf because they, they, it's, it's, uh, it really isn't easy to to untangle all the different views, and and uh, I, I guess that's why there are so different views because it's 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 quite complicated, and uh, sometimes we deal with with a lot of imagery and um, uh, prophetic lit literature, so it becomes really difficult to to uh, untangle all of that. Um, so uh, uh, I'm 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 still I'm still learning. So I, I'm. I'm not in a place where I have placed myself in a, in a specific category well done. Uh, at, at this point. Um, I'm, I'm growing and I'm, uh, and I'm learning, but there are, there are a, a, a whole range of different views, um, pre-mill, post-mill, armal. Uh, then it obviously relates to, um, you know, how we, uh, how kind of the lens that we approach scripture to. Um, I think I think the um, you know there was a question on on on, on the rapture, but I don't know if, if we have time to. to, to you go have into this. sixty seconds to say everything <laughs> you know about the rapture. Go! Oh my goodness, <laughs> it's impossible. Yeah, but let me just say this. I think I think uh, it's. I'll, I'll maybe just end with that. Maybe we could have a conversation on that another time. But um, uh, I. I, I 
I grew up in a church where, where it was, it was pre-mill rapture and that was taught as part of the Ten Commandments. Uh, it was the 11th <laughs> commandment. <laughs> but I, um, I have come to respect various different views and I've come also to see that it's not that easy. So I'll yeah. maybe just end with, with, with that, that it's, I, I don't think it's that clear cut. Uh, it's not that, um, you know, uh, that clear and simple. And so, um, even even the viewers on the rapture, uh, I'm, 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 I hold some of those very loosely, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Whether I take a, a for or against it, uh, I, hold, yeah. I still hold it loosely because I don't know for sure. Okay. So let, let me answer a little bit from from my side, give my perspective on the same questions and the questions were regarding rapture, scripture, um, knowing that straight after the show, and we've got all of maybe five minutes left, Knowing straight after the show, I'm going to be heading down to my office and Teppo has been listening in uh, to the show this morning. I have no doubt he's going to dive tackle both you and I in order to discuss these things a little bit further. Let me say something that I believe both Etienne and I will agree on. And that is found at the end of the book of Revelation in the words of Jesus Christ. He is coming and he is coming soon. Mm -hmm. um, with all the saints throughout all creation, <laughs> we say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. Like, man, I'm looking forward to Jesus. I'm looking forward to being caught up together with him in the air, and I'll get to that now. But I'm looking forward to being with Jesus, to seeing him, to worshiping him. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like a little bit of heaven has come down to earth during worship, as I'm with God's people, worshiping Jesus Christ, singing songs of high praise to him, uh, and being swept up, even emotionally and mentally and in, in physically, um, in, in worship, just praising Jesus for all he is. But friends, nothing will beat that day, <laughs> that day that is soon coming, when we will stand before Jesus face to face. And there will be either one response to Jesus, overwhelming love, gratitude, because of the mercy and the grace that we have experienced and the salvation which we have as he comes to gather us as his bride on that great and glorious day. A, a sense of just absolute glory and praise and majesty and splendor being ascribed to him forever and ever from that point on. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, there will be another emotional response on that day, a desire to get away as far away from Jesus Christ as you possibly can. The book of Revelation in uh, chapter 19 uh, and then into chapter 20 um, talks about the sea giving up its dead. It talks about um, the graves giving up its dead. And it talks about no man desiring to stand before the great white throne, the judgment seat of Christ. Um, and for good cause, because the mercy and the love of God um, uh, will be uh, for them replaced with the sure justice and holiness and wrath of God against sinners as they stand before the throne and try and give an account and um, based on their works, <laughs> looking up their works in books and um, trying to, trying to um, justify themselves before God based on what they've done in this life. Friends, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, that day will be a day of great trauma, a day of gnashing of teeth, of pain, of misery as you stand before the judgment of Jesus Christ. But it's a day that I'm looking forward to with eager anticipation, um, united with Jesus Christ. Mm. Now, I believe a day comes even before the great white throne. Um, in fact, 
um, a day comes uh, before um, Jesus establishes a millennial kingdom spoken about in the book of Revelation as we get to those closing chapters. Uh, a day that comes even before the thousand years of millennial kingdom, seven years of tribulation before that. A, a day where the 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 people of God, those who are in the church, not the church visible, people who just kind of go to church on Sunday, but the church invisible, those who have placed their faith and their trust in God throughout all the ages, where they will be swept up together um, and united with Christ in the air. And I want to give you a passage of scripture. It comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's uh, Paul speaking. He says, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up. Um, and the Latin for that is where we get the transliteration of the English word raptizo, uh, is the Latin rapture um, for the English. Caught up, raptured together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord and therefore, encourage one another with these words. In other words, the idea of rapture shouldn't create fear as we see kind of the world stage being set for the end times. We shouldn't be fearful of all these things. We should be encouraged that Jesus is coming back for us um, and that he will be glorified in and through his people. And maybe just one other point. Um, Really, my understanding of the rapture is is related very closely to my understanding of the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, you have the church spoken about. Oh, I forget the count. It might be 21 times in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation as letters are written to church after church after church, seven of them in total by Jesus Christ. And then you want to know how many times the church is referenced in the book of Revelation as you go through that time of trial and tribulation? No times. Why? Because the church isn't there. It's a time of tribulation, a seven-year period where the church is absent from the world stage. And yet, at the end of the book of Revelation, you have descending from the heavens, the new Jerusalem, and I believe a return of the church to reign and rule with Jesus Christ. Um, I, I, I believe um, in the rapture, but more than the rapture, I believe in the soon coming return of Christ. And I acknowledge together with Etienne that as we look forward into these things, we do look forward into something which is a little bit misty. <laughs> it's certainly a mystery because Paul calls it a mystery. It wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. A little bit misty and a little bit hazy because we don't have a lot to work on. But as, as I work on what we do have to work on, I come to a pre-tribulation, pre-rapture position. Um, well, friends, that is all we have time to talk about this morning. Um, it's been a great show. I've really enjoyed chatting to you, Etienne. Thank you so much for coming in. I recognize that you've given up part of your Friday to be with us. Um, I certainly think that you have stirred uh, my heart in excited expectation for Sunday. I'm hoping, listener, that your heart has been stirred. For those of you who have been attending church um, as much as you have been able to, lockdown. I hope that your heart is stirred to come together and glorify Jesus Christ together with the saints soon on Sunday uh, in high praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of you who haven't been to church for a while, I hope that the Holy Spirit has stirred you, that you are hungering for something you might even have forgotten about. Um, Friends, our, our prayers do go out to all the elders and the deacons who hold the line in local churches all over our country, South Africa, as well as for the church's missionaries 
who serve on foreign fields um, all over the world. Our prayers and much respect every week go out to first responders, to police and defense force, and to those who dispense justice, to firefighters, to paramedics, to our nation's nurses and medical personnel, as well as to those who serve in correctional facilities all over our country. And let me say for politicians, both at national, at provincial, and at local level, you have been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, along with Etienne Detoy from Crystal Park Baptist Church. We're going to be going to the news shortly. And so until next week, Friday, walk wisely, live holy, and testify zealously to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. Amen.